Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. This episode is brought to you by Chirpy Bird, Inc. CMS's Merit-Based Incentive Payment System, or MIPS, is super complex. And if clinicians ignore the program or perform poorly in it, it can result in a hit to their revenue and reputation. Chirpy Bird is proud to say that more than 95% of its clients are exceptional performers in MIPS, meaning they've maximized the score that directly translates into their Medicare reimbursement rate. Chirpy Bird offers their audit-proof services to practices of all sizes through an affordable monthly subscription that includes unlimited access to a regulatory expert who guides them in knowing what data to track, how to create workflows that make capturing that data easier, and ensures that they submit it all to CMS on time and performing at its best. Contact Chirpy Bird today or learn more at chirpybirdinc.com. That's chirpybirdinc.com. Hello, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Today, we're talking with Dr. Nada Elbaluk, who is a board-certified dermatologist and associate professor at the USC Keck School of Medicine, Department of Dermatology. She's also the director of clinical impact for Visual DX, which is a clinical decision support system designed to enhance diagnostic accuracy with a focus on how skin conditions look on different colored skin. This leads to more patient safety and improved health equity. We really enjoyed getting to know her and her impactful work and think you will too. So let's get started. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. Today we are joined by Dr. Nada Elbaluk, the Director of Clinical Impact at Visual DX, based out of Los Angeles. Hi, doctor. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me today. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. I ask all of our guests just to sort of help our audience understand. If you could take us through your piece of the health IT puzzle, how is it that you fit into the healthcare ecosystem? Yeah, that's a great question. So I wear a couple of hats. So, you know, I am in academics and I'm a full-time faculty member at USC as an associate professor in dermatology. And so there, I'm the founder and director of the Skin of Color and Pigmentary Program. I'm also director and founder of our Diversity and Inclusion Program. I started working more in the health IT-related space when I joined Visual DX last summer as director of clinical impact. And 
The reason I did that is because, you know, I've spent all of my career really doing a lot of work dedicated to improving care for all patients, but, you know, especially for patients of color for whom there's a lot of um, healthcare disparities and for underserved patients. And so when Visual DX approached me, you know, they're a company uh, founded by a dermatologist as well that had been doing a lot of work in the same space, trying to really improve health equity for patients of color. And so for people who don't know Visual DX, it's a electronic platform. It's available on mobile apps as well as online through the web and also through electronic medical record systems. And it's basically a clinical decision-making tool that physicians and healthcare providers can use to basically look up diagnoses, find not only up-to-date medical information about them, but also find an amazing database of images of those what those conditions can look like across all skin colors and skin types. There's also patient handout information. People can get CME through using it, sort of multifactorial, all of the things that people can use it for. So I was really excited about this because I have been doing work in the realm of trying to improve medical education But a lot of that work was sort of regional and and local at my university. And with working with Visual DX became this opportunity to really improve medical education related to patients of color and underserved patients, especially on a global level, right? Because once something goes electronic, I mean, it can become accessible, you know, almost anywhere potentially. So I was really excited about that. And so that's sort of the, the long answer of where I fit in the space um, related to healthcare and related to healthcare IT. And there's some other exciting work we're doing that I'll talk about later in the interview. So it sounds like you got, you are making a big impact and your company is making a big impact. How many countries is your product actually available in? That's a good question. So I don't have an exact number, but I can tell you that we are global and that we do have even platforms that have we've taken the web-based version and actually created a non-online version for some third world countries that don't have reliable internet access. And so we're piloting that currently in Botswana. And so we're really excited to have some support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to help support some of that work. And we're really working on continuing to try to really get into a lot of underserved and third world places as well to really be helping those populations. So our global outreach and programming is continuing to evolve and grow. How do you measure the impact or the outcomes that you guys have? Like what kind of reports do you get back of like what difference you are making in people's lives? So that's a great question. So, I mean, we're still working on looking at a lot of objective metrics to really, you know, look at how many people are really utilizing the platform. Obviously, we have a lot of anecdotal stories that people give to us all the time of, having used Visual DX to discover a diagnosis that they would have missed or you know, to show what a, pa- a patient, what a disease looks like in their skin color. And so we share a lot of those stories through our online and social media platforms. But we also have metrics where we're looking at how much people are utilizing the various features of our program, including a new tab that it's not new, but it's now new on the front interface of the program, which is our skin of color tab. So basically when patients or excuse me, providers look up a disease right on the front interface of the program, they can actually click skin of color and see what it looks like immediately. And we actually can put the colors from light to dark or dark to light. So you can actually find a picture that closest matches the patient that you're seeing. And so we've been looking at metrics of, you know, increased utilization of that, which we're really excited about. 
And then we have another new project called Project Impact, which I'll talk about a little more in a bit that we're also kind of creating some new metrics for. Well, let's talk about it. Let's hear about Project Impact. So Project Impact came about because, as I mentioned, when I joined the team last summer, they were telling me how they'd been doing all this work for decades to really have this really diverse database of images. And there was a study that came out in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology that showed that Visual DX had the highest percentage images in skin of color compared to any other electronic or print resource. So nearly a third of the images are in skin of color. And so the question that they really brought to me was, we're doing all this work, we have this great resource, but how can we actually, one, make people who have the resource know how to fully utilize it? And two, how can we expand our reach? And so that was sort of the beginning of how I sort of thought about Project Impact. And impact not only means the word impact as we know it, but it's an acronym to stand for Improving Medicine's Power to Address Care and Treatment. And so Project Impact became about how do we really make an impact in improving health equity in a way that we can really reach as many people as possible. And we realized that obviously we're not the only people at Visual DX with that goal. There's lots of people working in the healthcare space to improve DEI-related issues. And so Project Impact became about building a global community of people who want to improve health equity. We at Visual DX are working to do that by improving medical knowledge gaps related to skin of color, but there's many people doing that through other realms, through research, through advocacy, you know, through so many other ways. And so we want to basically create a community of like-minded individuals who are all addressing this complicated issue through different ways. And so we're super excited to have our inaugural collaborators, the New England Journal of Medicine and the Skin of Color Society. And we just had the American Academy of Dermatology sign on to be a collaborator. And we have a few other collaborators who will be joining soon that we'll be announcing in the near future. So we're just really excited to be really part of this bigger picture of really trying to improve health equity for patients, not just in the US, across the world, truly. And like I mentioned, those particularly of color and underserved communities. Can we step back a little bit and talk about you in particular? Can you take a minute to kind of help our audience understand your career path and how you came to be you know, in the position that you're currently in? Yeah, sure. So my path started, I'll take you back to college. So I did my undergraduate at Princeton University and I majored in psychology and I did my minors in gender studies and African-American studies. And I was pre-med at the time, but I really had a passion and interest for understanding humans on not just a medical level, but a social level and a cognitive level. And I also was really passionate about DEI-related issues. And that's sort of how I ended up focusing on gender and African-American studies as my minor. And it's really interesting because so much of that has played into my medical career now. And so I went on to medical school at the University of Michigan and between my third and fourth year of medical school, I did a NIH-funded research year and I did a master's of science in clinical research. And so during that year, I really started discovering where there were major gaps in my own field of dermatology when it came to skin of color. And I really was passionately interested in skin of color and pigmentation. So I started doing research in those areas and I was getting this formalized experience in research and just really started realizing this is an area that, you know, 
I'm passionate about, but also that needs more work and needs more people. And so my niche kind of began very early on in medical school when I started realizing, you know, what I was really excited about. And so I went on to residency at Johns Hopkins and had a wonderfully supportive chair who's been a mentor for me for a long time. And so I was able to actually continue my research in skin of color during that time frame of my life as a resident. And then as a fellow, I did my fellowship at the University of Pennsylvania. I did a unique fellowship called the Clinician Educator Fellowship. And that was basically a year dedicated to building my own niche and sort of launching my academic career. And so I really realized at that time, you know, in addition to sort of skin of color and pigmentation and, and wanting to teach people and getting involved in, in medical education, I wanted to go beyond just teaching other physicians and residents, but I was also passionate about teaching people, the people that come in and see us as patients. And so I got really passionate about medical journalism. And I spent some time at ABC News in the medical unit and worked with the chief medical correspondent, Richard Besser, and others there, and really got to see a different side of how medicine interfaces with the consumers and how basically news articles go from being in a journal to actually ending up on World News Tonight or Good Morning America or you know online publications and got to really see what that process is like of vetting an article, checking the sources, and then converting that language from scientific language into layman's terms that people can understand if they don't have a scientific background. And so that was a really exciting, also a unique part of my training. So by the time I finished my training, which was a 14-year process from starting college through medical school, residency, fellowship, I really had a good idea of what I wanted to do. And I started my career at NYU as an assistant professor. And I spent four years there. And I really started building out these areas of interest. So I, I built a skin of color and pigmentary clinic. I built their diversity program. And I started doing a lot of media work. And that work sort of propelled me into my next job, which is at University of Southern California. And that was sort of the time frame of my life when Visual DX and I met and connected and started talking about, well, how can we reach patients and providers on a global level to really improve health equity? So this job really kind of brought together all my passions. And it's sort of a full circle moment for me because as I mentioned, when I started out in college, I was studying psychology and right and, and gender and, and African American studies. And so back then I had no idea that it would play such a role in my medical career because a lot of the work I do with visual DX were talk about biases in medicine. And a lot of these cognitive biases are things that I studied back in college. So that's a little bit about my my path. Thank you for sharing that. That sounds like you've been very intentional, you know, like you've been really specific about what you want to do and finding a path to make it happen. And then it sounds like kind of the car that the universe unfolded to sort of help lead you down that way. Sharice, I want to make sure that your voice is heard. Do you want to hop in and ask any questions? Yeah, I was just really enjoying what um, the doctor was saying. And I wanted to hop in and ask her exactly how do you unplug? So when you're not doing these inc incredible things and changing the world, how do you take care of yourself? What do you do to get away from the office? What are your things to do outside? That is such a good question. And I am still actively working on making myself unplug more. One of the biggest things I would say in my life is my family. So I'm a mother. I have two daughters and a wonderful husband. And so 
they are a big part of my unplugging. So when I am home with them, I really just try to be present with them and kind of separate the blocks of time in which I'm doing work. My girls are young, so they're very active and they keep us active. So so that's a big passion for mine. And I have, you know, I'm very close to my family as well outside of my own husband and kids, but my siblings and parents and in-laws and and I have some very close friends as well. So I think staying connected with them really helps keep me grounded and, and balances my life with work. And then on an individual level, you know, my own hobbies, you know, when I get time, I love to play tennis, to do yoga. I love to read. I'm a big foodie. So I'm always up for trying new restaurants and traveling. You know, I mean, of course, that's all been on hold with the pandemic, but I love to travel and learn about new cultures and see new places. So those are sort of my passions outside of work that I'm always looking to find more time for as well. Where do you see yourself in the future? Where are you hoping to take your business model? Where are you hoping to take yourself? That's a really good question. And I think that's always evolving for me. You know, I started out, my career has been in academia, but, you know, it's been really exciting to also kind of have this new hat of getting to do work in the IT world with Visual DX. And, you know, as my career evolves, I'm getting to see a lot of the ways that medicine intersects with other parts of society. And I'm also finding it very exciting to kind of be part of those intersections. So, you know, I think I'm fortunate that I'm at a stage in my career where I can kind of just say yes to what I'm really excited and passionate about and <laughs> not feel like, you know, I need to say yes to everything. So I think I'm going to, you know, over time be looking at what sort of collaborations are in line with my passions and interests and sort of following that out. I think it's I'm open, you know, to kind of seeing what fits as things grow. I think we're kind of excited to um follow your journey. <laughs> yeah, <Joy>. thank you. <laughs> Yeah, one question I like to ask all of our guests as well is sort of given your history, your perf- everything you've learned throughout your career, you know, we'd like to give advice for women. If there is anything that you have learned along your path that you think that would be helpful for others to either hopscotch a lesson learned, not have to go through the same struggle, you know, is there anything that comes to mind that you think would be helpful for women? Oh boy, there's so much that comes to mind. <laughs> I mean, I am super passionate about supporting women and in all realms, but you know, I think for I can talk about, you know, being a woman who's tried to balance having a full-time career and and also having a family. I think that, you know, number one, I'm a strong believer that the sky is the limit and you have to believe in yourself more than anyone else. You have to be your biggest advocate and you have to know what your passions are, you know, and I think once you know what that, what your calling is and what you really want to do, then set forth on doing it and really don't allow naysayers or negativity or anxiety or some of the things that I think can creep in for all of us, prevent you from really living out what you think is your, your true passion or life calling. The second thing I would say is, you know, have mentors and have many mentors. I have mentors that are in medicine and outside of medicine. And I have mentors who are women like me, but I also have great male mentors. I have mentors who are from the same, you know, racial ethnic group as me. And I also have many who aren't. And so I just think it's great to have mentors of so many backgrounds because you learn so much from them. And there may be little things that you get from each person that kind of speak to you in different ways. But 
I certainly wouldn't be where I am, I think, without the support and guidance of, of many mentors. And then the last thing I'll say is just have your village, have your support system that really believes in you and helps support you because I don't think any of us get to where we are alone. You know, we all have people who help us get there. And, you know, whether it's, you know, your family, you know, friends, extended family, people at work, whatever it is, the people who make up your village that want to see you succeed, hold on to them, stay close to them, because I think that's also really essential for balancing our lives and just, you know, staying whole. So those would be my short pieces of advice. I love all of those. Those are really great. Thank you for sharing. We are kind of running out of time. So if people want to stay connected with you or follow you, what is the best way for them to do so? Yeah. So I'm on a couple platforms. I'm on Instagram and my uh, handle is at SkinDrNetta, N-A-D-A. I'm also on Twitter at E. And then I'm also on LinkedIn under my name. So any of those platforms I'm active on and I would love to hear from people and connect with them. Wonderful. We'll take we'll, we'll make sure to include all of that in the th- the show notes and thank you very much for your time today. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and what you're doing in the world. Same here. Thank you for having me and thank you for the work that you guys are doing as well and supporting women in the healthcare space. I think it's such an important job. So thank you both. A pleasure. Thank you. All right, take care. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Hit like a girl podcast is a proud member of the health podcast network. One thing I love about working with them is that they're mission driven which means that they're dedicated to featuring authoritative shows, hosts, and guests who take on the tough topics in healthcare with empathy, expertise, and a commitment to excellence. If you're looking for bingeable content related to the healthcare industry, they've got more than 8,000 episodes on demand waiting for you. From professional development, the patient voice, digital health, innovation and entrepreneurship, and of course, health IT, they've got you covered. So this is your official invitation to check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com.